Today is Tuesday, November 28th, 2017. And on this episode of the Creative Church Podcast, we talk with Greg Vinnerholm, the design director from Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You're listening to the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. I'm Nick Goodner. And I'm Ross Montgomery. This week's episode is sponsored by StockHub. StockHub is the most affordable way for you to create video content. For only $25 a month, you get unlimited, license-free 5K, 4K, and HD stock video. From aerials to mission videos to Christmas to Easter, StockHub has everything you need, and they're adding 1,000-plus clips each month. Stop hundreds of dollars per clip and get all the 4K ProRes files you need for only $25 a month. StockHub is the source for unlimited stock video. Go to StockHub.com slash CreativeChurch to receive your first 14 days free. That's StockHub.com slash CreativeChurch, S-T-O-K-H-U-B dot com slash C-R-T-V Church. First things first, Ross, welcome to episode five. Hello. Yeah, it's it's good to be here. We're in the fifth episode of the Creative Church Podcast. I hope people like it. I think they love it. All they, the hundreds of listeners that we have. Hundreds of thousands. Ooh, well, <laughs> potential thousands. Potential millions. 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 Um, big. First things, I guess first things I should go into. I have a correction from last Uh-oh. week. Uh-oh. Yeah, if you guys remember, we briefly discussed the new Justice League movie. Which and I have not seen. Which you have not seen. Well... At that time, I told everyone how I did see it. And I even went as far as to give critiques on this movie that I had, quote unquote, seen. Um, truth be told, uh, I had not seen it. So so and, what had happened, Nick? Well, uh, I, first off, my wife was listening to the episode on Tuesday and she goes, Nick, you did not see the Justice League movie. And I go, yes, I did. I, we saw it this week. We saw it on Friday. She goes, nope, we have not seen that movie. And I was like, are you sure we have not seen them? And sure enough, guess what? We had not seen that movie. What had happened was we did watch a lot of superhero TV on Netflix. And because we're big movie buffs and we normally go see a movie as soon as it releases, I just automatically assumed that Justice League was one of those movies that in we that mix. To see over the weekend. Yeah. yeah, I just I just kind of assumed that was the case. So um, what, what did you have a distaste for that you thought was not as good? Well, Justice League really wasn't high up on my movie scene list anyway. So it wasn't like up there with like Thor or Star Wars. So I just kind of, you know, saw it and or, you know, I, I, I thought I saw it because I really didn't want to see it in the first place. So I just kind of thought it was one of those movies I'd forget anyway. And watching all those superhero TV shows on Netflix, they're kind of boring to me. <laughs> um, so I just assumed that one of those was uh, the Justice, you, Justice you, you, movie. you transferred your feelings from the TV shows you were watching to the movie you thought you had seen. Yes. Ah. But I, I did see it over Thanksgiving. You did. And then now what are your actual thoughts on it? I think it's a great movie. Oh. I actually liked it. There you go. Um, coming out of that movie, I was I was actually really, really, really impressed that it was that good. So yeah, those, those are my thoughts. Um, Ross, I feel like I haven't talked to you in an entire you know eight weeks. How was your Thanksgiving, man? It was good. I am actually still working on leftovers. Oh really? My parents came down for Thanksgiving, so we didn't do a big Thanksgiving dinner. Instead, we went to downtown Disney and ate Blaze pizza. Hmm. I've heard about so, Blaze. Is it all it's cracked up to be? 
it's delicious, but it is no Thanksgiving feast. My my first Thanksgiving out of college, I ate at a black eyed pea. So that was fun. Ooh, what is a black eyed pea? It's um it's a chain restaurant that just has the Americana food. I was just assuming it had black eyed peas. That that is one of the things they do serve. You know, that would make a really good question of the week. Let's let's put a pin in that. The question of the week would be what is your worst Thanksgiving dinner? So kind ooh, of ooh, be, there you be go. thinking about that. And then at the end of the episode, we can actually ask our listeners what their worst Thanksgiving dinner was. Um, There you go. Uh, We do have some big news, actually. Ross, I don't know if you've heard, but next week we're introducing a new podcast. Wait, what? That's right. Creative Church is expanding. Next week, we're releasing the Pop Culturalist podcast. This podcast is going to be expanding our network a little bit more and uh, expanding the conversation for Creative Church. From the Creative Church Podcast, Ross will be hosting The Pop Culturist, and you'll be joined with Josh Pease and Chad Smith. Is that correct? That is correct. And the conversation on Pop Culturist will be discussing large themes, small details, and ridiculous theories from pop culture's past, present, and future. You can actually search The Pop Culturist Podcast right now on iTunes, and you can see our little preview episode that we do and kind of learn more about the heart behind uh, Creative Church's expansion and what to expect in season one of the pop yeah, culture. Might, so, might drop some uh, episode titles just to kind of get some things going and, and hope everybody enjoys it. It's, it, it's going to be a fun conversation we're going to be having. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be a great show because I'm not involved. <laughs> you don't get to hear my beautiful baritones. All right. Well, unless we're talking about Star Wars, right? Uh, well, yeah, if we're talking about Star Wars, I automatically join the conversation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just kind of force go. That's where you get a like pull rank. Right. I Try yeah. not alter it any further. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's part of our deal. <laughs> uh, this week, we're going to be introducing upcoming releases for new albums coming out. Um, part of our Creative Church survey was, do you like music? And like 98% of the people said yes. So we decided, hey, you know what we should do? We should gather some of the new album releases and stuff that are going on in our community. And we should, uh, we should kind of tell people what's coming up, what's being released on Fridays. So... We've scoured the interwebs to bring you what's releasing this week. Here's the upcoming releases for Friday, December 1st, 2017. First, Planet Shakers will be releasing a Christmas volume, uh, Christmas volume one to be exact. I I assume there's going to be a Christmas volume two. I I feel like they're setting something up. I can see where they're going with this. Either that or they're just going to be really vague about never having another one. I don't know. We'll see. It's like the annual Christmas party that happens once. (laughs) It <laughs> happens once. Only uh, once. <laughs> <laughs> Victory Worship is releasing a new EP titled For Your Purpose. Mm. And Victory Worship, they're part of our Creative Church community. And I think we'll have an interview with them here hopefully in the next few weeks. We'll see. Um, you too. They're still making music. And they're releasing a new album called Songs of Experience, which I assume is just going to randomly show up on my iPhone mm. Friday. Of course it will. I'm hoping. I don't know. That was, that well, was I feel, feel like that, that that album title is very accurate. They have a lot of experience. That that was kind of a really old throwback joke there. No, I think people um, I think Apple people will still get it. You think you think they'll still find that relevant? Yeah. I assumed everyone's moved on to Samsung Galaxy. Oh, well, no. Pixel two. Pixel 2, Pixel 2. And uh, that's all we got. Uh, You can listen along with us, though, on Spotify. You can search Creative Church, and we'll be selecting a few of our favorite songs from the new releases to put on our upcoming release playlist. Ross? Um, Up next, we have Trending. Trending. 
welcome to Trending. And this week, we're going to be shifting things up. You know, we added a new segment. Uh, from this day forward, each week, Ross and I will be gathering only one article each. And that's going to be an article that's important to us and one that we feel is impacting culture, church, or creators. And we're going to discuss it. This makes things a little simpler for us and gives everyone a chance to listen to some banter that typically gets left on the cutting room floor. Um, like I said last week, we're always going to be making changes and edits to the show, especially here in our first 10 episodes, to make sure that we get the flow right for our listeners and it's very beneficial to our community. So Ross, what do you got? I got a I got a big one. Um it's uh concerning net neutrality and a lot of people have a lot of feelings around this. I know I do. Um but it seems to from my um interactions and what I'm seeing in in my circle of friends and whatnot is um there's not a lot of people um against net neutrality. Um, I've heard a bunch of different things being said as far as, uh, you know, wondering how um, Democrats and Republicans are going to handle it. But it seems like from from what I've seen is most are on the same page. And just to kind of give a recap, um, please bear with me. I'm going to explain what that is. If you have not heard of net neutrality or you've heard of it and haven't really dug into what that means and what is coming up with this upcoming vote. The FCC, whose chairman is Ajit Pai, uh, has confirmed that they're going to vote on December 14th to abolish the regulations that prevent internet service providers or ISPs from blocking certain access to sites, throttling internet speeds, and otherwise controlling what websites and online services are available to their customers. So that just means right now, the four major ISPs, Comcast, Time Warner Cable, Verizon, and AT&T, are, are pretty strictly regulated as far as being able to try to charge you more for, say, streaming services versus social media use. Um, they can't separate those. And net neutrality generally means to be treated like a utility, like water, like gas. The thing I like seeing is a lot of people are coming around this, and, and I think we can affect change. I was asked today if if I was of the mindset of it's a lost cause because um, the ISPs have been lobbying against the net neutrality regulations that were put in place in 2014. And, um, you know, they're just mad because they can't be greedy and profit off of that. But I'm inserting a little bit of my own bias here, if you can tell. Um, but there's also this thing of the classification of ISPs as Title II services, meaning that's the strict oversight. They want it softer. They want to be Title I so that they can make voluntary, unenforceable commitments that charge extra for different ways of using the internet. And so that is going to mean a lot of things for creators who are using um, YouTube to try to get out there using their own personal sites, a bunch of different things. And in my opinion, it does not encourage, um, it's, it's not going to make any competition good with getting rid of net neutrality. It's just going to make the ISPs greedier. The easiest action that you can take to ensure that net neutrality remains and that the Title II classification on internet service providers remains so that they are under strict regulation is to go to fivecalls.org. That's the number five calls, C-A-L-L-S dot org. And then you just enter in your location, like your, your zip code, and it will tell, say, ask you on the left-hand side, what's important to you? And, um, Near the top of the list there is demand the FCC maintain net neutrality, and they give you a rundown of it, which I read some of that just a little bit ago. And then they literally give you a script to say, 
They say, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a concerned customer from insert your town here. So you do this and you make these calls. They give you the number right there and who you're calling to talk to and give you the, the, the script. So you just go through and then you can say, they were unavailable. I left a voicemail. I made contact. Or you can skip a call. I made four calls in Colorado. I mean, one of them was to FCC Chairman uh, Pai, but I made four calls in five minutes. I left voicemails because I'm sure they're getting inundated right now. But I left my name, my phone number, and my address because that 100% guarantees that your call will be tallied. So if you want to take action, if you find this an important enough issue to take action on, fivecalls.org is the easiest way to do that. We are not being paid by them. I just find it as a helpful resource to get involved in the things that you find important. Yes. And I, and I think that's true for everything that if you find it important, I think that you should be trying to make a difference. And we do, we do hope that you find this important enough to at least dig into and learn more about and learn all the facets and then, and then make those calls if you, if you feel obligated to or feel the need to. My trending article today comes from uh, Disney. Duh. You probably heard over last week, John Lasseter, who some of you may know is the founder of Pixar Animation Studios. Uh, he currently serves as the chief creative officer for Pixar Animation, Walt Disney Animation, and Disney Toon Studios. He also is the principal creative advisor for all of Walt Disney Imagineering, so all the parks and everything. He's, he's a very important creative guy at Disney. He's going to be taking a leave of absence. Uh, due to he's citing missteps in physical and verbal interactions with his employees. I read an article this week with an interview with Alex Sokolow, the co-writer of Pixar's Toy Story, and he had this to say about Lasseter's departure. He was integral in setting the company's initial culture, along with Ed Catmull. John made it a place that stood for quality. The article goes on with, like a lot of kingdoms in show business, it's a cult personality. And an autonomous empire where one person is in charge and that can become a platform for abuse. Sokolo continues by saying Pixar doesn't have the pixie dust it used to. When Pixar fired on all cylinders that did work, it was exceptional and unique. They're still capable of doing things that other studios aren't, but they stopped being the laboratory of genius they were a long time ago. And he accredits the company's stagnation to John Lasseter's cult following. A lot of you may not know this, but John Lasseter's kind of a creative hero they idolize john lasseter at disney and even so they call him you know the reincarnation of walt disney because he's just so brilliant and that's led to the company really being built off a lot of yes men a lot of people that are just yep yes sir yes sir and so suddenly you go from having a team of people like it used to be in the old days with Pixar whenever, if you ever read um, Creativity Inc. And uh, that book by Ed Catmull, and if you read that, they talk about how much of a collaboration Pixar was in the beginning and how, you know, story men and directors and animators, it would all come together to kind of develop these key stories. And some of their best work was done during this time, like Toy Story and Bugs Life and movies of that nature. Whereas over the past few years, you've had movies like Finding Dory that sucked. Um, you had Cars 3 that was an utter dismantle of the whole Pixar name. The reason that Alec uh, attributes to this, this, this kind of decline of Pixar is because Lasseter had this cult following. And this is something that we kind of see all too often in creative and leadership sphere. We have one creative genius or one leader extraordinaire. And when they leave, everyone else is just there to pick up the pieces. Too often, so many organizations are failing 
And I think that's what a lot of people are scared of right now. They're scared that Pixar and Disney is going to have just a creative mess on their hands with Pixar or with John Lasseter being pushed out. If you're not careful and you build it all around your name or or your personality, then it's, it's, you know, what's going to happen if something like this is happening. I mean, that's one of the things that I think I've heard from people like, Donald Miller of StoryBrand, he wanted to, he didn't want to have his name closely associated with the company he started. That way he could pass it on. And the same is true with Life Church. You know, he wants to have more of a, a Craig Rochelle, as in he, if I wasn't clear on that. But um, a lot of us in the church culture know that. But um, Craig Rochelle doesn't want to be like Life Church. Like he just wants to be a pastor at Life Church. And so I appreciate those attitudes and, and how they set that up because until I was in ministry, I didn't even know. I knew Life Church was huge. I didn't know who the lead pastor was. Yeah. And, you know, you and I kind of talked about this earlier or last week. Uh, we're talking about a friend of ours who, you know, he's all about his brand being his name. And, you know, we were, you know, talking about him and how, you know, just the not that he's completely wrong in doing what he's doing. It's just two different schools of thought. For me, doing that whenever you make your name your brand. You, you, you automatically hurt yourself and you automatically set yourself up for the failure that a lot of people are now expecting with John Lasseter and Disney. And that is now once you're gone, nobody will be able to carry on or will be looking for somebody to carry on or replace you. Yeah. And I think it's easy when you're I think it's easy to follow a leader who wants the people they lead to succeed just as much as as they want to be successful, maybe um, not that success is their end goal or anything, but you know, that, that they're encouraging, um, people becoming better in the roles they are or taking on new roles. Those are the kind of leaders I've always enjoyed working for. You can kind of see those two different leadership styles and which one's more attractive, I think is fairly obvious. So definitely a good kind of, I don't want to say allegory because it's actually happening, but there's a lot to be said for having leadership that values breadth of responsibility and not just relying on their own personality. And that brings us into a pretty good segue for our interview with Greg, because, you know, Church on the Move just went through this um, not too long ago. I think it was only about three months ago. They replaced uh, Willie George, who was the founding pastor of Church on the Move, with his son, Wit, And I think that they did that transition beautifully. And I think a lot of that depended on the fact that a few uh, back probably six years ago, and I, this is an outsider's perspective, but uh you know, church on move people that are listening, you can, you can correct me, but as an outsider's perspective, looking in and as a, you know, I attended church there for a few, few years there. Um, I think it, it relied a lot on, uh, them making church on the move, the main brand and kind of, you know, making Willie George a part of church on the move rather than Willie George being the focus of uh, the brand. And because of that, they were able to make that smooth, easy transition. And I'm, and I, I doubt it was very smooth or easy. I, I, I assure you, it was probably a lot of work. A follower's perspective, I still respected Wit uh, just as much as I respected Willie whenever he transferred into that position because I was familiar with the Church on the Move brand and I felt secure in the fact that these people are all working for one vision, one goal versus one person or one goal. So next up is our interview with Greg Vinnerholm.
Greg serves as the design director for Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he leads a team of designers and web developers and creatives of all skills and abilities. Church on the Move is well known for its creative efforts and hosts a Seeds conference that encourages and equips creative leaders from around the world. He loves design and great typography and is all too happy to discuss and debate the virtues of proper kerning. He is a self-admitted Disney World devotee and loves nothing more than to use his time in the parks to study their design and marketing prowess and call it research. After spending 20 plus years in the agency world, he and his family moved from Columbus, Ohio to Tulsa, Oklahoma nearly six years ago to go full-time for Church on the Move. He loves helping other designers use their gifts to introduce people to the real Jesus. Here's our interview with Greg Venerholm. Thanks for taking some time to join me and chat today, Greg. I appreciate it. How's it going for you today? Hey, it's great. It's a beautiful day here in Tulsa. You are the lead designer at Church on the Move, correct? Uh, yeah, I, I guess you could say that. I'm my technical title is design director, and I've ah, got a director. couple of designers on my team and a couple of developers on my team and uh, just a merry gang of pirates. <laughs> um, so, yeah, about how big... Um, is Church on the Move for those that might not know? And yeah, how many are on your team that are directly doing all the designing? Yeah, sure. So uh, how big Church on the Move is kind of depends on which pastor you ask. You know, like <laughs> um, I, I think we kind of uh, ebb and flow between uh, uh, seven and 9,000 people a weekend, including kids, I think. Um, so it's a, it's a decent sized church. Yeah. Um, we've got three campuses and, uh, my team cares for the look and feel of, uh, most of the print and nearly all of the interactive pieces that go out of here. So if there's a promotional item or a web page or, you know, some sort of app interaction, normally that's going through, through some of my people. Um, so obviously a lot of creatives will know about seeds conference. Um, and that was one that was just phenomenal interactive space. Like you mentioned, just everything you guys put together for that was incredible. Um, can you maybe go through how you and your team built all of that look and feel around seeds? Oh, sure. So seeds is, uh, well, you know, working on the church world, you know, you've got Christmas, you've got Easter, and we also have seeds, <laughs> which we just absolutely love because it's it's the one time a year we get to um, use our, our full uh, strength and muscle against something for our peers. Um, we just, we, we love um, hosting all of you guys, uh, having everyone come in and share notes and uh, trade stories and commiserate about um, the struggles that we, that we all have. Um, this particular year, uh, after taking a year off last year, um, we all met months and months prior to the event, which is abnormal for us. We're, we're kind of reinventing who church on the move is. Um, but having gone through, um, you know, a, a year off, 
and being in this transition of redefining who we are and what we're doing and why we're doing it, um, someone in one of the meetings just uttered the word transparency. And um, in my mind, I immediately started getting um, creative inspiration around what that could look like. So my team, we don't normally have much to do with what happens on stage, but we, we support what happens there by way of giving some design direction or giving some, you know, some design assets or whatever. Um, but, but we do um, have a lot to do with, especially for seeds, what happens out in the lobbies and in the environment of Church on the Move. Yeah, I mean, that's the first impression area. Yeah, right. You walk in the doors and, and most folks, um, if they've come a couple of years in a row, um, you know, they kind of, they, they get a sense for who we are, what we do and, and all that. So, um, I, I immediately jumped to, uh, wow, what is that lobby experience? What, what is it where, what are we trying to say instead of just, um, plastering stuff up on walls or, you know, having, you know, big, large things around that you have to walk around and, you know, maps and whatnot. We really wanted to tell a story, and, and in this case, transparency was the story because we're by no means trying to tell anyone how to do church. That's not it at all. Uh, we're just happy to share with people what we've learned, um, errors we've made, uh, successes we've had, and hopefully it helps everyone else um, figure out the right way for them. Uh, so transparency was a big thing. Yeah, that and that definitely came through on the look and feel as, as I was able to attend this year for my first year and not having any kind of preconceived notions of what it was going to be, what it should be. Oh, good. Oh, man, I enjoyed it a lot. And I knew you guys took a year off and it was a conference I'd always wanted to attend. So uh, it was kind of interesting to, you know, hear about how you guys were kind of retooling um, what Seeds was going to be, what you know, the direction Church on the Move is, obviously with a bunch of the big announcements recently with um, Willie George stepping back as lead pastor and having Wit um, step up and um, just a lot of changes all around. But one of the things um, I'd love to hear from you is as you're kind of tackling a large project for uh, Christmas, Easter, and Seeds, um, what are some ways that you and your team uh, maintain your inspiration and motivation? Oh, Boy, I wish I had a great answer for that. <laughs> um, honestly, it's been really interesting. The past few months, we've been redefining our process quite a bit. Uh, so we're we're blessed. We've got you know lots of of creative horsepower around here. But what you might be surprised at is um, we were kind of uh, segregated from each other. So my design team is in one building. And the, the arts team or or the experience team is in another another building on a, on a on another floor, and yet we're all supposed to collaborate and and do this work together somehow. Well, over the past few months, we've been really um, reimagining how to do this, and now what we're doing is mixing teams quite a bit. In fact, we actually merged all of our teams back into one big team the way we were about two years ago. And it's great because you have different people from different skill sets and backgrounds together leading a project. So I've got a 
a, a producer, I've got a designer, I've got uh, a content person. Those three people line up and they lead a project all the way through. So for example, we're, uh, we're in a series called um, Good Question, which we started about three months ago. And if anyone has ever heard any of our talks at Seeds, we are a very week of kind of church historically. For us to get that far out uh, in advance of something is is um, nothing short of a miracle. And now we're doing it more and more, and it's it's great. It's yielding great results. And to get to your question about inspiration, that's really inspiring to us because it's letting us think and have some time to let ideas percolate and um, and get to a place where you couldn't if you're rushed. Now, I'll also say that there is nothing like adrenaline, you know, at the very last minute to get something done. And and I've I mean I've seen it happen so many times um, that you know sheer miracles come out of that. But you can't sustain that forever. And we're at a point now where um, we're hoping to scale. You know, we want to add some more campuses, and and uh, and and it'd be great if we didn't kill any of our creatives along the way. So we kind of have to to learn new ways to work. But it's really inspiring to to partner up with our teams from all over, and it's um, it's yielding really good results. That's good, man. Yeah, that uh, can be tough when you're trying to collaborate <laughs> at a distance or way ahead of time or last minute. And obviously, as you're leading teams and whatnot, you're kind of, um, you know, obviously putting people in where their strengths are and whatnot. But what are some values that you kind of hold in front of everybody as you're approaching um, each project? Well, um, so I... I personally, I come from the agency world. This is my first church job. Now I've, I've worked with church on the move for about 20 years, kind of on and off as a, as a a freelancer from Ohio. And then about five and a half, six years ago, I moved out to Tulsa full time. Um, so I, I, I come at projects a little differently than some of my peers here do because they've just been raised in the church and they know nothing but our process. Um, so when we look at projects now, we're getting to the point where the team is maturing a little bit and we're starting to look at process a little bit better and look at, you know, what are, what are the values of a given series coming up? So a a lot of work goes in up front to what the content of, let's say a series is going to be out of that. We start thinking, okay, what is it we're trying to communicate? out of this? What is it we want people to, um, to think, feel, do? It's a, it's a marketing term. Um, uh, what do you want your consumers or your, your, your attendees to think? What do you want them to feel? What do you want them to do? So we, we try and keep these things in the front of our minds as we're doing all of our ideation and, and, uh, sketching and, um, exploration. And if you've got your goal in front of you, at all times, <clears throat> pardon me. If you get your goal in front of you at all times, it's it's a little easier. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's a little easier to um, kind of take a look back at that every so often and make sure you're still on target. So that's 
you know, we're learning. We're, we're not, we're not expert at it. We're, um, we're, we're still figuring things out and, um, we're still changing our process, but, um, it's getting better. The, the work I think is um, getting stronger and, um, and people are, are, you know, getting to a point where we've got a, a really healthy work-life balance, which is really hard to do in the church world. Yeah. Yeah. That can definitely be hard, especially in ministry where it, uh, can take up a lot of your time. Dude, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I spent, uh, I don't know, 25 years in the agency world, um, working for really large brands and working for, um, you know, some global corporations. And I thought I knew what fast paced work was. And <laughs> when I got here, uh, it nearly snapped my neck, just kind of realizing how quickly they do things. And, and, you know, back to that, we're blessed with lots of horsepower here. The, the, the downside to that is, um, that when you are, when you've got really good experts around you, you become fast and you become strong. Those are great qualities, but you can't sustain it forever. You have to be able to, to rest as well and recharge. And we're, we're in that season now where we're just trying to figure out how do we do this and, you know, keep a, a sane uh, family life too. So, you know, as, as a lot of our team members are getting older, getting married, having kids, we want to make sure that everyone has a home life too. That's a good, that's a good thing. Well, I, I was just about to ask what you what you guys do to kind of have that um, refreshment time in your lives, so that it's not always this go 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 and then go 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 at home. You know what what are you, what are some things you guys are looking towards implementing that kind of help you have those spaces and that time, either as a team or or even just on an individual level that you're trying to institute. Yeah, sure. So. Um, as an individual level, I'm, I'm a complete and utter Disney dork. Um, I, I plan trips for people and just, I, I thoroughly adore getting time to, you know, to spend, um, down there thinking about it. I, I listen to, uh, an obscene amount of Disney podcasts. It's, <laughs> it's a problem. Give me, give me a number. <laughs> I usually, uh, listen to between eight and 10 hours of Disney podcasting, like trip planning podcasts. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> week. Just, so yeah. you are the guy to go to if anybody needs. I am a guy. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> last year I, I helped um, several folks around here plan their trips and it's just, I, I love it. It's that's fun. awesome. That so recharges <laughs> That recharges you. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, but as a team, it's funny. Last, um, last week we had our very first experience team gathering. Now, I mentioned a little while ago that um, my design team, you know, is like physically separated from the rest of the the creatives here. But but on paper, we we reintegrated. So now um, the design team is alongside the film team, is alongside the story team, is alongside the worship team. We're all one big team, and we call that the experience team. Because it's all about the experience, right? Yeah, different aspects of it. Yeah. Right, exactly. So last week for the first time <clears throat> since we have all been rejoined, we had uh, we just had had a nice big lunch together and, and had a you know game a game time. We've got uh, Andrew Dale here who's on staff is an amazing game master, and he uh, he forced us all to play a game and it was an absolute blast. 
um, we shared, you know, a meal together and just kind of shared some ministry wins. I mean, it's, you work so hard at what you do that you also need to take a step back and recount the life change that happened as well. Because if that doesn't happen, if, if we're not introducing people to the real Jesus, then none of this matters. So it was really good for us to all as a team of creators, of makers, to step back and just kind of realize, wow, what we do matters. It's not about, um, you know, having great typography, although it is all about having great typography. Um, it's about so much more. So um, that's what we're doing. We're starting to um, take our, you know, our next meeting will be next month and we'll all go off site and we'll all go do something fun and, and build shared experience. And that's where team cohesion plays in. Yeah. They, yeah. Cause sometimes everybody can just kind of have their head down going a hundred miles an hour trying to get stuff done. But yeah, every once in a while, just, you know, emphasizing the importance of yeah. looking up and taking a moment to celebrate those wins, have that time together because yeah. even creating community within that, I'm sure helps the collaboration that much more. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe getting a little more on the technical side now, what are some design trends that uh, that you're seeing that you enjoy or that you just see in general being a way of design going right now? Um, I, I try and stay out of the trend game. Uh, and I, I really try and just keep a good eye on what it is we're trying to communicate. And now, having said that, and if anyone watches our series artwork or anything else, they'll they'll say, "Well, there's trends right there." Yep, there are, um, but we're not but we're not chasing it. We're using things as tools uh, to communicate because, um, as you know, I, I spent you know decades in the consumer brand space. What I know is that everyone. Um, and, and you know, I'll, I I use the term consumers a lot because that's just it's natural to my lexicon of words. But um, you know, our our attendees, um, they're all walking around the city. Um, they're getting marketed to at every click, every channel, every turn. Um, what I know is that if I want our message to be taken seriously, um, to be part of their life, then it it probably needs to fit into their, their life. So we'll use trends very lightly, but what we'll use is quality design principles to, um, you know, to, to keep things in focus. So I wrote a, um, uh, COTM design core values post on the seeds blog, uh, I I guess about a month ago. And it was just a, a chance to sit back and say, you know, this is all great. We all love to do what we do. We all, and especially on the design team, we love design. We love the most current typefaces. We love the the tools. You know, we love our iPad Pro and all this <laughs> great stuff. But in order to keep it in focus, let's also agree that there are some you know, some core things to kind of keep in front of you. And, and I'll just kind of summarize them real quick and I'll shoot you a link. It's real easy. Um, the first one is we get to do this. I mean, this, let's not, let's not take advantage of the fact that, okay, great. We, you know, we're the designers of the church and 
and yes, we get to decide this and the other, but the word get is something that's often overlooked. We, we get to explore this stuff. We get to use our talents. Um, we, we, we get to do this. It isn't that we have to, the moment it becomes a have to, you should probably move on. Um, I also am a firm believer. You need to be curious. We are, um, we are voracious consumers of media. Uh, everyone on my team loves movies. We love music. We love, um, uh, you know, watching Instagram stories from every nook and cranny of the web. We're, we're just always out there. We're keeping our eyes open. Um, that's how you can stay in front of, not necessarily in front of the curve, but keeping, keeping a good sense of what you're doing and why you're doing it and making sure it's, it's not out of place with uh, what your folks, your intended audience is looking at. It's super important. Um, we believe in sweating the details, uh, making sure that um, the details are right. I mean, God is in the details. That was a Mies van der Rohe quote. He's a, an architect from, from many, many, many decades ago. And it's, um, it's important to get those details right. Uh, if we're going to do what we do for the sake of the church, for the sake of introducing someone to the real Jesus, let's make sure there's not a typo in the way. Let's make sure that when we send our files to press, that the printer doesn't have to do, you know, circles to get the file to work properly. Let's do our due diligence. Um, you know, things like that make a big, di- make a big difference. And it, it's funny, a little side note. Um, I look at using our relationships with our vendors as ministry opportunities. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been, we use a print broker who then manages the, the relationships with the various printers that we use. But on more than one occasion, he's come to me and said, you know, the way you guys prepare your files and you know, the quality of work that's coming through there, um, it's noticed by you know these press guys, these press operators. Man, that's a ministry opportunity right there. If they have to do something junky to make your file work, you think they're going to be loving you? Nope. So we, we sweat the details. Um, it's little things like that that help us all uh, keep in mind, um, you know, design isn't just to make things look good. It's to make things act good, feel good, communicate. Um, that's a big part of of why we get to do what we do and you know, you, you've started off by asking about the technical side of it, but that's, it's a lot less about technical. It's a lot more about art and creativity. And you feel like they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. No, I, by golly. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, there's a, there's a good book that says in the beginning, God created. <laughs> so, you know, we'll start there. What is one of the biggest pieces of, of advice that has stuck with you? Um, that kind of you, you keep in the back of your head that you just go to as, as you need. Oh my, you are taking me right back to my sophomore year of high school. Oh, <laughs> deep cut. I want to hear it. Here we go. Uh, it was Mr. Smith. He was my art teacher and he taught me a very, very valuable lesson that um, sticks with me to this day. Um, and that is don't ever believe what they're talking about you. 
Um, in other words, um, I, I came into his class and I, um, thought, man, I was, I was it. I, I was doing the great stuff. And he, uh, you know, this is me and all of my, I don't know how old I was at that point, but you know, I was a knucklehead and he very quickly helped me realize I knew nothing and, and that's a good place to be, you know, always be a student, always be willing to learn. And, uh, even now, um, you know, I've got, uh, my, my oldest son is the designer over at 180. My middle son is, um, he's going to be an architect eventually, but right now he's, he's a guitarist for, uh, for 180 and, and one of the other bands here. Um, and you know, people like to, to say great things about what they do and, and all this. And I'm always just reminding them, don't ever believe it. Always stay humble, stay hungry, and that will serve you well. Yeah. No, that's great advice. I, I think that's a lot of things that, uh, so don't ever use too much black. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <it's> truth there. <laughs> um, so how do you deal with frustrating moments, uh, either a, amongst your team relationships, or even as you're, you know, trying to tackle this certain aspect of a project or the project as a whole that you feel like you're coming up against a brick wall? How do you handle that? Well, uh, boy, there are just too many examples to share. Oh, I, th- but I, I thought everything was yeah. rainbows and cupcakes uh-huh, and unicorns yeah. over there. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's funny. We went through a, um, uh, a series recently, and we all thought we had this fantastic idea for a promo and went through the, the aspects of getting this, this set piece built and um, you know, sh- getting it shot and scouting locations and all this, but timing be being what it is, uh, we never had enough time to actually go uh, do all the detail work we would have loved to have done. And, and, and you get through the whole thing and, and it comes back and, um, you know, the leadership says, ah, eh, I don't think we're going to use it. So we had just spent, you know, not only people's tithe dollars, which I take very seriously, we spent time We've spent, um, as creatives, we all wrap our emotions in what we do. It's just who we are. It's what makes what we do good. We had all the stuff invested in it and it all came down to, yeah, I think we're going to set that aside. Let's just do a type piece or something instead. That's really frustrating. But um, a friend of mine once told me, and and this is another one of those things that will stick with you once you hear it, when you as a creative um, make this thing and you put all your, your emotions into it. You put your talent into it. You, you put everything you have into it. You essentially put yourself into it. Um, but the, the person that you serve, you know, ultimately it's God, of course, but you know, God has put other people in authority over you. When those people tell you that it's not right, there is no bigger sacrifice that you can offer than to take that piece of work and set it aside and say, okay, I'll start over. So the lesson there is opinions are subjective and authority is not. And that's a really hard thing to keep in mind as we as creatives and a lot of folks who are listening to this, I, I know are people who may not have a design background. Maybe they got to that seat by way of, um, you know, a, 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 
various other positions and they just ended up being the one who knows Photoshop. Um, we, we all want to do our very best work. And when someone says that's nah, not quite good enough, it's really easy to get coarse or to get hardened by that. But that's the perfect opportunity to realize, you know, it's just something to set aside. You know, essentially God's asking you to set that aside. Are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to sacrifice it for his name? If you can get yourself there, you're gold, you know, because there's always another project. There's always another series. There's always another promo. And in this case, in this this example, it turns out that promo actually did air. It was um, for what difference does God make? And you can probably see it on, on our Vimeo page or somewhere or other. That piece came back because as we went through the process, as we yielded, and we said, okay, great, we'll set it aside. What should we do? The creative process is such that um, a lot of times it's circular and you, know, you end up right where you started. And um, that's a hard lesson to learn. You know, I'm, I'm 49 years old and I'm still learning stuff every single day. Uh, but that one right there, that'll save someone a lot of grief if they can internalize it. Looking at big or small scope uh, in the near to distant future, like what's next for for you? Um, personally, I find myself at a little bit of a transition point. I'm um, I'm realizing that uh, it's it's funny. I, I'm going to guess it was Nick who who said it all over on the, the Creative Church Facebook page as a as a gentle admonishment to leaders <laughs> to. Um, you know, believe in your team, you know, kind of step aside and, and let them flourish. And I've spent the last year letting go of a lot of things. Like I don't actually do any design work anymore. I haven't for about a year. Um, my job more is to um, encourage and nudge those designers and, and like, and our interactive team. My, my job is to, encourage and and make sure they don't go off the road and and help define what that road is so it's a lot of fun it's it's causing me to rethink a lot of things because i've always kind of thought of myself as a i am a designer and that's how i defined myself and i'm coming to realize that's just one aspect and that's okay so i'm i'm having a lot of fun um watching you know, the, the team I've been uh, fortunate enough to put together really come into their stride. They are doing better work than I ever did. And it is so much fun to just sit back, wind them up and let them go. Um, that's that's a lot of fun. From a ministry. Evolving into a motivator and, oh, yeah. and, the, and the such. Yeah. And, and yeah, encourager. And sometimes you got to you know, step in and say, well, I would have probably done it this way. And here's why that's, that's one thing I learned a long time ago is when you're giving feedback, it's never acceptable to say, I don't like it and walk away. You have to give a reason why, and, and maybe even some suggestions as to what to do. So that's how our, our critiques go. Um, from, from a ministry perspective, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how to how to grow how to how to make sure we're in the right spot 
to go wherever God needs church on the move to go. So I know, um, Drew Bodine was, was on here, uh, shortly before me. And, um, he was talking about, um, Doug Slayball, um, a guy who, um, helped Rick Warren, you know, launch and maintain and, and nurture purpose driven. Well, Doug, um, is a facilitator for Stratop, and we also went through the Stratop process and it's fascinating and challenging and, um, exhilarating all at once to a put all your dirt out there, B then be able to really take a look at it and say what's important and then C um, take the time to reimagine who you are, how you are, like how are you built, how are you structured and then where are you going? That's where we're at right now. We're, we're in the middle of restructuring ourselves so we can grow into the future. And that's, Man, that's a lot of fun. I mean, we're as a church, we're thirty years old, um, but we're just getting started. It's going to be a fun next few decades. Uh, one of the things that Church on the Move has been saying recently is, is uh, as far as a, I guess you want, if you want to call it a tagline or just kind of a simple vision statement of helping people meet the real Jesus. Um. Obviously, sometimes creatives, especially designers, can want things to look polished, want things to be in order before it's released into the wild. Um, how do you guys maintain authenticity in your design work and in those environments and, and just the experience like you talked about? Uh, how do you maintain authenticity within all of that uh, so that like that transparency and, and the realness can come through? Well, uh as a ministry, we've always had a value. We've held in, in a very high regard um, the value of excellence. And I think that's why, I mean, a lot of people look to us, uh, excellence and creativity. And that's awesome. But that excellence cannot come at the expense of, um, you know, introducing people to the real Jesus. It's got, to, you, know, you know, we had to take into account what it is we're trying to do and then how is it we're trying to do it. So, you know, right now we're in a season of we're, we're relearning how to do what we do. Um, a lot of things we'd like to do in our main auditorium here on, on the central campus, we can't necessarily do it the same way in our, in our other campuses because they may not have IMAG or they may not have, you know, the, the same kind of you know rig or, or whatever. So we're, reimagining how it is that we can do excellence in a way that brings authenticity to every venue that we have. Um, that actually all that came out of Stratop and we really started thinking about, um, what's our team's goal. So the, the, the church's mission is to introduce people to the real Jesus. Our team's mission, meaning the experience team is to, set the stage for people to meet the real Jesus. We're, we're there to make sure that the conditions are right, to make sure that um, there's no distractions in the way of what God wants to do that weekend. Um, that's, man, that's huge to us right now. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're, we're making good strides. So it's, it's a constant tension. You know, you'll never solve everything. And <laughs> every weekend we are seeing, things happen that, man, you know, Monday morning we come back and we're like, ah, if we could have just done that differently, but you know what? There's another weekend coming. So yeah, take that into the next yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
If you were interviewing a potential designer for Church on the Move to join your team, um, what would you look for? What are some questions you would ask? Oh, I'd really want to know why they want to do this. This is not an easy life. Um, designers, as I mentioned a while ago, you know, we wrap our emotions up into our work and then they get trounced on, you know, because, um, someone doesn't like it and, you know, that's all good and you have to be okay with that. And I would just want to make sure that whoever's coming in and I do make sure, you know, I've hired a couple of designers since I've been here and that's part of the process is making sure that, um, they understand that you will have to um, give things up, you know, your, your creativity up sometimes for sake of uh, something else that's coming down the pike. So that's, that's one, you know, kind of metric that I put out there. And then another one is just real clearly, where's their spirituality? Um, it's, it's interesting. I, I came here from not another church. I came here from outside the church world. Um, thankfully I had a very strong faith. I had already been working for church on the move for many years, just not as a staff member, but it's funny. You know, we, we get, um, applications and, and inquiries all the time from folks. And sometimes, uh, I, I really have to scratch my head because, you know, some of these guys are just, they're not even, well, it doesn't appear that they're strong believers because of their work or because of, you know, something I see in what they've submitted. Um, so, you know, you just, the basics, you know, why do you want to do this? You know, are, are their motivations right? You know, is, are they going to line up with introducing people to the real Jesus? Are they going to line up with uh, being willing to set something aside for the, for the bigger cause? Um, you know, where's their faith? Are they, are they actively involved in who we are? Do they know who we are and how we do things? Um, those are, are really important things. So, um, as I, as I chat with other churches around the country, those are things that I, I commonly encourage them to do and, and think about you, know, you. So you have a need. Oh, here's, here's the biggest insight. Don't hire for need. So in other words, don't hire someone just because you've got to fill a seat. You got to hire the right person. And you have to take that much bigger look at who they are and why they are and, and all of that. And that's been a, a, a process for us to get through. A huge thanks to Greg Vennerholm for joining us for an interview. And to keep up with Greg, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at G Vennerholm, V-E-N-N-E-R-H-O-L-M, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Venny, V-E-N-N-Y. And check out seeds.churchonthemove.com to see more from Greg and the Church on the Move team. Welcome to Reply All, where each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer in our Creative Talks group on Facebook. Last week we asked, where is the weirdest place you've watched Netflix and why were you watching it there? 
You hit us up on the Creative Talks group on Facebook and answered. Here are a few of our favorites in no particular order or reading. Uh, Brandon Swansong Swain said, I guess the most unusual place I have watched it was at the hospital after my daughter was born, only because she was asleep and me and my wife wanted to watch Cutthroat Kitchen. That is definitely a go-to for my wife, so I completely understand that, Brendan, and that is not that awkward. It's No, it's not that awkward. A hospital with your wife after she just had a baby. She, oh, yeah. She can, She's allowed to binge. If she wants to buy Netflix, yes. like just buy the company, Yes, by all means, you just had a baby, you, yeah. you get to buy Netflix. That's, that's just the rules. Um, Rob Clark said, none of your business. In all caps. What are you trying to hide, Rob? Mm, someone got a little defensive. You're a little bit defensive. A little bit defensive. I noticed that. I was like, what is he trying to hide? Mm. Steve Villafane, and I apologize if I butchered that last name, said, The Attic, doing some handiwork up there. A friend went on a supply run, and I didn't want to come down, so I finished my episode of The Office, which is a solid watching choice. But I also feel that if National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation were filmed today and Chevy Chase got stuck in the attic like he did, he would probably binge on some Netflix. Or make a phone call, because he'd have a cell phone. Yeah, uh, well, you know, that's true. I would still binge on the Netflix, but <laughs> fine, call people. You, you would you let want. your family go. You would just go Absolutely, away. Absolutely, I would. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> Um, Michael Mooney said, I binge watched an entire season of the West Wing on a 23 hour car ride. That's about as weird as it gets for me, to which I thought that's not weird. But then it dawned on me in a car ride. Does that mean Michael was driving? I did a little bit of investigative journalism and I confirmed that at some points during his car ride. Yes, he was driving. Mm, So I don't know exactly where Michael Mooney lives, but I just would be wary if you're on the roads with him at the same time. That's, That's all I'm going to say. That's accurate. Yeah, because he could accurate. be, there's, it's possible he's watching the West Wing. And y'all need to get weird. Yeah, get y'all weird need to, yeah, yeah. In honor of Nick finally, actually seeing the Justice League, this week's reply all is if you could have one superpower, what would that be? I don't know. My superpower, I, would, I just would love to just fly. I always had this recurring dream that the house I grew up in, I had it when, you know, I was growing up there and we had this pool in our driveway for some reason. And every time I jumped in it, once I got out of it, I could fly. And I've always loved flight. I've, I want to go skydiving. I love getting up on mountains and like looking over cliffs. And I love cliff jumping into uh, lakes and, and waterfalls and all that stuff. So probably flight. I know that's pretty basic, pretty simple, but that's that's what I would choose. On that note, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap things up. There are a few great ways that you can share your appreciation for the Creative Church Podcast. First, subscribe and add us on your favorite podcatcher. We also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. And review this podcast and show us some rating star love on iTunes so we can get more exposure and people can also enjoy this delightful ear tickling. Hmm. Wow. Every week I leave that line blank. Now I know why. Um, <laughs> lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media. You can also find us by searching our handle, Creative Church, that's one word, CRTV Church, on all social media sites. Special thanks to Greg Vanderholm for joining us today. You can check out all that he's doing by following him on Twitter at G and by going to our podcast episode page on our website. Also, thanks to Sock Hub for sponsoring today's show. Do us a big favor and go check them out and also get a hold of that 14-day free trial do that uh in the meantime i'm nick gunner i'm ross montgomery and we will see you next episode
Thank you for listening to the Creative Church Podcast. Creative Church exists to bring creators together. For more information, visit our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com.